As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best and economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. What we're going to do now is what Bloomberg Surveillance does best. We welcome all of you on radio and television to a clinic now with Win Thin. He's Global Head of Currency Strategy at Brown Brothers Harriman that barely describes his encyclopedic perspective on the history of foreign exchange and specifically his Pacific Rim. That's a mouthful. From Japan down to his uh, Burma. Dr. Thin, thank you so much for joining. I think we need to educate all, including myself, on the ancient Japanese trajectory of needing to weaken the yen. The yen starts out in 1949 after World War II, set at 360. It goes on to Plaza Accord 200, stronger yen, stronger yen. The Louvre Accord, oops, two years later, we screwed up 120. And then the shock, which you and I lived in 1995, of, to use a phrase from Boston, wicked strong yen of 80. What, where are we at now at 130 within the ancient Japanese continuum to hate and dislike strong yen? Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me, Tom. It's always a pleasure. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's two things that we're, we're really looking at right now. Uh, there's that old adage that you can never have too much of a good thing. The Japanese policymakers have been uh, looking for a weak yen and higher inflation for years, if not decades, as you know. And they're finally getting it, but at a, at a pace... Uh, that is quite uncomfortable. Now, I want to circle back to what you, what uh, I think Jonathan mentioned about uh, how they can s- sort of square the circle, and they cannot. Professor Mundell, who had the, had the pleasure of taking, having me in class uh, in grad school, uh, way back in the 60s, talked about the impossible trinity. You cannot run, uh, have free capital controls, run independent policy, and also influence exchange rate. You cannot have all three. And so right now, Japan has free capital flows, and they're keeping uh, monetary policy ultra loose. So there is, it is it, as Mr. Mundell, Professor Mundell would say, it is impossible to control the yen. It's going to find its own level. Uh, the doubling down on yield control, it stands out in stark contrast. Earlier today, the, the Riksbank delivered a surprise hike. So when the Riksbank is more hawkish than you, that, that's saying something. <laughs> when in a situation like this one, I think we all recognize, as you've just illustrated, something has to give. I won't use the words something has to break, but something has to give. How do you get a read on, on what gives? Is it in the government bond market or is it in foreign exchange? I would say, John, it's to be determined. It, you know, it's... it's um, it's not just a Japanese phenomenon also, obviously. Uh, this yield curve con- control could have been sustained if, if global bond yields had remained 
at low levels. And yet uh, here we are, the, the U.S. 10 years getting close to 3 percent, et cetera, et cetera. So it's making it much more challenging. Uh, to me, the, the Bank of Japan just delivered uh, an ultra dovish hold there. If you look at the forecasts in the outlook report, they are saying no tightening through fiscal year 24. They, I think they kept their core inflation forecast around 1% um, for both fiscal year 23 and 24. That's quite a statement. I, I think at some point they're going to have to turn around. I, my, I think my feeling right now is that Mr. Kuroto will keep this policy going through the end of his term, which ends next year, early next year. And he's going to allow his predecessor, or I'm sorry, his successor yeah. to sort of wrestle with this. So that's a year out. I know that sounds like an eternity, um, but I think eventually we will have uh, abandonment of yield control. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but it's, it's unnatural. It, you know, having a 10-year at 0% is unnatural. So that is where I think it will go, but we are nowhere near close to that pain threshold yet. In the meantime, Wayne, how much does this disrupt the idea of the yen as a haven trade? How much does this redirect flows simply into the dollar as the only haven left? Well, that's a good point, Lisa. That, that's uh, really what the puzzle is right now. Over this last week or two of risk-off activity, the yen continued to weaken. So I don't like to put too much on one, one data point or one episode, but certainly something to look out for. Uh, we did have some finally some, uh, some um, correction lower in dollar yen in response to risk-off, but it was very minuscule, maybe one or two yen, I think, this, this week. And I think that uh, this, this monetary policy divergence is really, to me, the, the driving force. Yes, We'll have a couple of bouts of risk off. Maybe the yen strengthens a couple, you know, a couple of one uh, or two percent. But to me, the 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 underlying story is monetary policy divergence. The yen uh, is going to go higher. Um, dollar yen is going to go higher. People are throwing out 135. I've heard 150, but I say let's take one step at a time. Let's get to that 2002 high at 135, and then let's see where things stand. Chris Verona Strategas was just on, and he was saying the knock-on effects to China and the UN that we're seeing overnight uh, is going to be a big concern to the Chinese authorities. Are we expecting some sort of further intervention there in order to stave off some of the dramatic pace of moves, if not the direction? Well, China's obviously very interesting. They, despite sort of, sort of introducing more market mechanisms, they still have a very heavy hand in, in, in markets, like financial markets across, uh, across China. Now, again, I would point out to monetary policy divergence story there as well. People's Bank of China is actually even more dovish in the sense that they are actively loosening policy. Right now, Japan is maintaining loose policy, but we're seeing uh, the People's Bank of China cut reserve requirements. They've tweaked their interest rates lower. I think that more is coming. So that argues for more yuan weakness, uh, more than the, right. the, the knock-on effect. Of course, it's, sort of, it's all kind of wrapped together. But to me, that monetary policy divergence in, in PBOCs is even stronger. Um, I, they can control the pace a bit, a bit more than Japan can. Obviously, they have, uh, again, a very heavy hand. But uh, make no mistake, dollar yuan is going higher right. as well. Dr. Sin, I don't want you to get in trouble with the general counsel of the August Bank Brown Brothers Harriman. I'm going to phrase this very carefully to what you said two or three questions ago. What we're going to hear is bad people like that George Soros on Black Wednesday, 1992, quote, are manipulating yen, are manipulating dollar, are manipulating the currency market. Respond to that. Does the market tell these powers and institutions what to do? No, I mean, that's just a terrible trope about you know, these, these conspiracy theories. The market is the market. We have uh, hedge funds. We have real money. We have, you know, speculation. Of course, you know, we have all uh, corporations. We have all sorts of players in the foreign exchange market. 
I would say I would posit right now that with uh, upwards of $3.5 trillion a day of, of FX flows daily, that's, it's getting much, much harder to, quote unquote, manipulate the market. It's, it was easy back in the 90s when we had pegs. You know, we had um, capital flows were not as, as large. We had pegs that were easy to break. Uh, so, I, I, of course, it's always easy. Um, we see this a lot in emerging markets, of course. We always blame the foreign speculators. But it, it's a terrible trope that, you know, I, I wish would, would, would really you know, go, go the way of the uh, Wild West. It's, it's just not the way the FX market is right now. Winston, great to catch up, sir, as always, of Brown Brothers Harriman. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Joining us now is someone who likes emerging markets, who likes U.S. stocks. It's Wei Li, the global chief investment strategist at the BlackRock Investment Institute. Wei Li, let's start here. Why do you still like the equity story? Um, If you think about the broader macro environment, indeed, we have more challenges now thinking about policy, uncertainty, thinking about rate pushing higher. But if you think about the, the, the you know, like putting aside the year-to-day kind of development, real rates, we're still talking about really low levels versus historical um, averages and also the broader growth backdrop. In our view, um, the spillover from the war in Ukraine will impact European economies a lot more uh, than U.S. economies. So our estimates uh, of the, the, the spillover growth uh, impact for the U.S. economy for this year is up to 0.5% GDP growth drag, which is uh, quite a lot smaller than uh, what we're expecting mm-hmm. for, for European economies. So that being the case, uh, we prefer U.S. markets over European markets. Yes, we do like emerging markets that, but uh, broadly, we still prefer developed market over emerging market. It's just that within emerging market, we prefer to play it through local EMD versus EM equities or right. high currency EMD. Wait, you go right to where I want to go, which is local paper. I want you to give me the spillover on this new strong dollar. BlackRock has to be riveted to the FX dynamics of yield and price. Brief us on that. How do you adjust to strong dollar in this crisis with the yen uh, crisis with the yen well in, indeed what we have seen so far 130 dollar uh, yen is uh, is significant moves we're talking about two standard deviations away from the um, uh, cabinet office break-even estimate right so we're talking about really really incredible uh, incredible currency volatility and and, and moves but that very much uh, speaks to this word of policy divergence. So on the one hand, you have uh, central banks like the PBOC and uh, BOJ. On the other hand, you have central banks 
like the Fed and ECB looking to get closer to neutral as quickly as possible. But specifically in the case of um, in the case of Japan, not only we have kind of the monetary side of things actually still remaining very very accommodative. Actually, on the fiscal side of things, they are coming through as well, right? Like the, 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 they recently just announced 48 uh, billion dollars of the uh, fiscal aid to ease the inflation pain. So, so, so very very different from the world that we're seeing in the U.S. and Europe. In Japan, actually, we're still seeing this um, this, this this support coming from both the monetary side of things as well yeah. as the fiscal side of things. The Japanese yen should be a bit of a support for Japanese equities, given the historically negative correlation between the two. But that correlation has broken down a little bit uh, in recent years because a lot of the Japanese corporates actually move their factories overseas so, so that uh, direct benefit is a bit less. But we like Japanese equities on the currency hedged basis at this point. Wait, just uh, taking a step back and quickly here, is the only haven currency left the dollar? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. So far, if you look at uh, within currencies, the dollar has been the king, right? Like that's where people hide when things, uh, things go wrong. But uh, one has to also question at some point the, 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 the benefit of government bonds as a diversifier in portfolios. We have to kind of discuss at which point of yield levels government bonds can be good again as diversifiers in portfolios, right? So, so far they have not been good. Um, they, they have found the opposite of what we expect them to. But there is a level at which point pension funds are going to find government bonds attractive. And, 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 and as we move further away from zero bound, actually their diversification uh, benefits would also come back in place. So that's, that's something else that we're paying very close attention well, just, to. Well, just finally, just to jump in, the in the amount of time we have left, you said something really interesting then. You like Japanese equities still on a currency hedge basis. Just two questions. Why would you hedge the currency? And two... How expensive is it to do that right now, given the moves we're seeing? Uh, that's a great question. Well, we turned positive on Japanese equities earlier in the year, and we wanted to kind of hedge out the currency side of things because uh, the, the negative correlation between equities and uh, currency, and also because uh, the expectation for currency to weaken, given policy divergence that I just talked about. At 130, if we're talking about fresh entry into Japanese uh, markets uh, through currencies or through uh, 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 equity markets, we probably would not be too uh, uh, firm on it being currency hedged because, as I said earlier, this represents two standard deviation move from the break-even estimates from the cabinet uh, office and, and hedging cost is, uh, is rising. Waylee, thank you, of the BlackRock Investment Institute. Right now, joining us in Kiev is a most original mayor, not only the mayor of a beleaguered capital of this nation, Ukraine, but also acclaimed truly with his brother, the pair of boxing brothers in the world with many, many heavyweight champions. Vitaly, this is not boxing. This is not sport. There's a meanness here that you fought against in athletics for years. You state that the meanness of Vladimir Putin will go after these iconic symbols of your Kiev. When do you expect Mr. Putin to go after those acclaimed churches and other sanctuaries? Um, regards from Kiev, uh, thank you for your question. Uh, but uh, 
you can compare right now situation in um, in Ukraine with sport. In sport, you have clear rules. If you break the rules, you will be disqualified. And uh, especially right now in the war, we see the whole world uh, sees no rules. The economy of our country is destroyed. It's big drama for all population, not just in the whole country, also a big drama in uh, in capital of Ukraine is big drama for everyone from 40 million uh, people uh, who live in Ukraine. A lot of millions of re uh, refugees uh, try to find their new homes. Uh, people doesn't have a job right now. Economy doesn't work. And right now, they every day died people, civilians. And I told many times this war, this war senseless war is genocide of Ukrainian population because our city is destroyed. I'm talking about Mariupol, Kharkiv, Chernigiv, Bucha, Gastomil, Irpen, and other, and other cities which actually destroyed and it's, uh, yeah. it's big drama. Vitaly Klitschko, uh, the mayor of Kyiv, with us today. We are so pl uh, glad to get a sense of what's going on, but also horrified by what you talk about. How much will it cost to rebuild the Kyiv of old? Uh, actually, we have uh, right now is a huge impact uh, for our economy. A lot of people jobless. A, a, a big part of the people evacuate to the safe part of the city. We have more than 200 buildings we, uh, which totally destroyed. They destroyed all infrastructure. To rebuild the buildings, uh, I guess it's not so big money. It's uh, around uh, 100 million US dollar, but uh, we lose the money in the budget in our city. Uh, we guess it's around uh, one one half billion US dollar. What our budget doesn't don't became, and uh, and. Uh, uh, also, I told you about the numbers right now, but we don't know how long will be the war and how much it will be cost in the next couple of weeks, maybe yeah. months, maybe years. Mayor, this is a delicate question. We hear about 40% of the businesses in Kyiv uh, have reopened. Some people are trying to come back to their homeland. How many people do you expect, what proportion of people do you expect not to return because of the threat and because of the war? Uh, people is afraid and uh, right now the people ask me as uh, general manager of uh, our hometown, uh, we have to come or not, we stay in, in, in other places. I tell to everyone right now we can't guarantee the safety in uh, in capital. Just a week ago, uh, the Russian racket uh, landed in uh, buildings in uh, our hometown and uh, five civilians is dead. Uh, a lot of injured. Uh, by the way, it's um, uh, mm -hmm. more than 100 people, 200 uh, citizens of uh, our hometown is uh, dead and four children. Right. Mayor Mayor Klitschko, one final question, if we could. What weapons do you need right now from the Allies and from the United States? If you're afraid of further missile attacks, again, on symbolic Ukraine, what is the material you need now? 
we have to cover the, the air uh, above our heads, uh, but we need uh, heavy weapons. I want to say defensive weapon because, because we defend our country. I'm not military, I'm not uh, officer of uh, military forces. That's why I can't give you exactly uh, names, uh, what we need, uh, what we need, but uh, we need the weapon definitely because we stay in strong, uh, against the strongest army uh, in the world, the Russian army. And that's why it's uh, will be not enough. Mm -hmm. And we want to say thank you very much to the United States to support Ukraine. It's very important for us. Right. Mayor, thank you so much for joining Bloomberg this morning. Vitaly Klitschko, he is the mayor of Kiev. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. And we continue that conversation on Detroit Dearborn in Autos with John Lawler, Chief Executive Officer of Ford Motor, who has tattooed to his Iowa brain that you need to be in a Ford F-150 pickup truck to go from Ames, Iowa, down to Des Moines, Iowa. That's the way you do it in the Midwest of this country. John, can you sell a new $90,000 fully loaded electric pickup truck on the east and the west coasts of this nation? Absolutely. In fact, our uh, early reservations and orders are highly skewed towards the, uh, California and the East Coast, so absolutely. Now, one other thing to point out, we do have high-end pickup trucks um, in the price range that you talked about, but we also have the starting series at around $40,000. So, you know, we've made this vehicle affordable for um, our commercial customers, and as well as those that would want to enter into it at uh, entry-level series. What is the torque issue? It came out, now this is a little bit engineering and it's away from the financial side of Ford Motor, but what people are saying is this thing can't pull like the other electric vehicles. You're in those meetings with your Knox engineering degree. Help us with that. Is the torque there? Oh, yes, this truck is fully capable. It's built for tough. Right, It has all the capabilities we see you need in a pickup truck. It has the horsepower, it has the payload, and it does have the towing. So um, we feel very confident this, this truck will meet our customers' needs and it will represent Ford Tough as we um, have for many years with our F-Series. John, that might be the look forward. The look now, though, is beset by a lot of supply chain issues, which definitely were weighing on some of the uh, supplies that you were getting in terms of some of your automobiles in the first quarter. Going forward, you maintained your guidance, though, even though you have seen production uh, fall short of where you were expecting. How can that be? 
Well, you know, if you look at the first quarter, we had incredible demand for our products. All of our new products, in fact, the Bronco, the Bronco Sport, the new Maverick, and then our electric vehicles, Mach-E, the E-Transit, now the incredible F-150 Lightning. So we see very strong demand for our products. Now, in the first quarter, we were disrupted by uh, modules um, that were uh, constrained due to the chip crisis. We resolved many of those. We do see uh, rate and flow of chips or the availability of chips improving as we go through the second half. And we're seeing great traction on our Ford Plus plan. So improving chips, uh, great traction on our Ford Plus plan and, and increasing demand and very high demand. And we see our volumes up this year versus last year, 10 to 15%. And that gives us confidence in reaffirming our guidance of 11 and a half to 12 and a half adjusted EBIT for the year. John, how much do you expect to raise prices on your uh, Ford automobiles this year, given the fact that demand is still robust and supplies are still constrained? Well, we've, we've taken pricing this year, and we are in an inflationary environment. The pricing that we have taken has stuck, and we'll continue to manage that. Um, you know, you'll, you'll probably see if inflationary pressures continue, commodity prices continue to increase, you'll see in, in, in additional right. price increases. But the other thing that we're doing is we're also focused on costs. Because in an inflationary environment, you have to manage both ends. And so we're laser focused on increasing productive productivity and driving efficiencies through every line item of our income statement. John, I, want to, and I don't want to get you in trouble with your general counsel, but I've got to ask you this question. Full disclosure, folks, I grew up in a Ford family. In my ute, you either had a Ford or a GM. That's all there was to it. And my father had the original Bronco. Built Ford tough was made in 1979. You guys have run with that forever. I've had the honor of talking to Bill Ford about it. The fact is Elon Musk thinks he has built Tesla tough. How does Tesla deal with your Ford pickup, with Mary Silverado and the 47 other EVs out there that have a history of tough? We've got the iconic brand. We have F-150. It's the number one selling vehicle in the U.S. We know what customers need. We know what Ford Tough means. What are the, what are the customers telling you? John, I don't mean to interrupt. This is too important. What are the customers telling you they want as a purchase differentiator right now over Tesla? When you look at our product, we continue to make sure that it has the capability. It's a tool. It has pro power on board. It has all of the capabilities I talked about earlier. They want that. Plus, they also want the amenities that you get with an electric vehicle that we provide. The charging, that's a tool, that's an enhancement for them. So they're coming to us and saying they want the room, they want the capabilities, and they want the, the, every, the benefits you get from having an EV powertrain. So customers want that benefit of you know, a clean emissions and everything else you get with the EV, along with no compromises to what you would expect from a Ford F-150, and we're delivering that. Hey, John, great to catch up to hear from you, sir. Thanks for being with us this morning. John Lauder there, the Ford Motor CFO. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.